Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. In this episode of Brownstein's What's Next Nevada, shareholder Mitch Langberg is joined by Ellen Schulhofer and Rich Benenson from Brownstein's leadership team. They discuss lessons learned as business leaders during the COVID-19 pandemic and how those can be applied as businesses reopen, goal setting, the importance of input from all levels of a company to help revise internal processes, as well as making empathy and wellness a priority. Hello, welcome to Brownstein's What's Next Nevada podcast series. I'm Mitch Langberg, an attorney in our Las Vegas office. We're focusing on the legal, political, and business issues that businesses in our community will be facing in the weeks and months to come as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Our goal is to share relevant experience of our attorneys and policy advisors to help business leaders in that process. For today's episode, I'm happy to welcome two of our firm's leaders, Rich Benenson and Ellen Schulhofer, to talk about that very subject, leadership, particularly as it relates to the lessons that have been learned during this crisis and how those lessons are going to be applied moving forward as we reopen. So let's start with self-introductions, Ellen. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, hello, everybody. I uh, grew up in Las Vegas and uh, I'm very happy to do this podcast for everyone in Nevada who's listening. I, after going to college and law school outside of Nevada, came back 26 years ago and have been with Brownstein since they moved to Nevada. I am the managing partner of the Las Vegas office the uh, head of the firm's corporate practice in Nevada, and formerly co-managing partner of the firm. Um, I was co-managing partner for almost four years. And I'm also on the firm's executive committee and have been on the executive committee for 13 years now. Lastly, and since the topic of the day is leadership, I also do hold some leadership roles in various uh, community organizations. Thanks, Ellen. Rich? Thanks, Mitch, Uh, and it's a pleasure uh, to speak with you and Ellen today. Um, Like Ellen, uh, I am uh, engaged in law firm leadership. I am the firm's current managing partner, uh, was formerly uh, the leader of our litigation group, uh, and have served on our executive committee uh, for the past three years. Uh, Also, like Ellen and lots of folks at our firm, uh, engaged in leadership roles throughout the community uh, with various uh, boards and service organizations. And it's a pleasure to be able to speak about leadership today uh, through this podcast. Great. So let's go start out with you, Rich. So we're a law firm, but we're also a business with several offices, hundreds of employees. As you said, you've had various leadership roles in our firm for years, uh, but COVID hit you very quickly after you took on the position as being the uh, managing partner of the firm. So I'm interested to hear about the leadership lessons that you've learned throughout your career, and importantly, the ones that you learned in kind of on-the-ground training uh, that you think uh, are important, particularly as we're going to look forward to reopening. Well, uh, thanks for that question, Mitch. Uh, I'll start by acknowledging the accuracy of that. You know, this is my first full year as managing partner, and uh, these have been significant challenges, particularly COVID-related. I think one lesson learned uh, for the firm and for me is, is really good leadership starts with good transition. 
Uh, and the fact that our enterprise was ready to roll was working in a, in a productive, effective, strategically oriented way uh, on day one is all about having an effective transition. So uh, Adam Agron, uh, Ellen Schulhofer, uh, a, a lot of credit in the way they handed the reins over uh, to, to make that seamless. You know, a lot of leadership, I think, is also about instinct uh, and reacting in the moment and trying to uh, understand the scope of challenge and the opportunities for successful resolution. And uh, a lot of that is uh, about great teams and collaboration and uh, and dialogue. And uh, in my view, never have those uh, attributes been more important uh, than during this pandemic and, and formulating the firm's response to it. The other thing I would say in terms of takeaways from, from uh, this recent episode, you know, peer groups and opportunities to discuss common challenges uh, with other leaders is invaluable. And one of the privileges I think we have as being lawyers and in particular as being uh, lawyer leaders is that we get the chance to talk to our clients, other leaders of other business organizations and enterprises on a very regular basis. And uh, I will say from personal experience, that is difficult uh, and it's sometimes frightening as the circumstances were. There was a lot of commonality out there. And so um, having the opportunity to, to compare problems and uh, compare approaches to solutions uh, was great. And uh, really drove some confidence. Um, uh, so maybe I'll pause there and see uh, how that generated some additional questions for you, Mitch. Sure. So what I've noticed in my career is that one of the dangers of leadership is that is that people who are in charge oftentimes think that they know the best answer to everything. And I've noticed in in discussions that we've been on as as we've worked on our coronavirus task force and other other things, business rollout task force and other things is that, that you come with a different approach. Why don't you talk about that? Let me say I admire uh, those leaders that, uh, that sort of come to the table with uh, decisive and you know, ready formed uh, positions and opinions. Um, I am generally not like that. I, I don't assume that I am the, the smartest person in the room. Uh, I, I like to try to be the most prepared person in the room and make sure that I'm driving an informed process. So as I mentioned earlier, the ability to drive collaborative discussions, to seek input from the right talent uh, and the right skill sets and get the right perspectives, uh, even the ones that are not necessarily congruent with your own, in my process, helps to lead to a better outcome. So um, you have observed, uh, and I appreciate the feedback that uh, I tend to listen a lot uh, try to take in a, a lot of viewpoints. And, and while I'm not trying to achieve consensus, uh, which is often an impossible goal, uh, I do want to make sure that uh, I'm considering uh, everybody's opinion and formulating strategy. So let's, let's talk about how that impacts looking forward to reopening. There's, there's lots of content out there about leadership, but I think that particular point uh, is is an important one as as businesses reopen because nobody's done this before, so it, it would be hard for anybody to be particular prescient about everything they need to know. Well said, uh, and one of the things that's uh, again uh, been great for me as a leader is the immense amount of talent uh, that we have available to us at the firm, and so uh, Ellen will speak more about this. I'm confident because uh, she's been more in the trenches, but. 
we have this multidisciplinary set of, uh, of talented professionals at the firm that has been able to advise me and our executive committee on all of the issues, the entire spectrum of considerations from uh, some of the more obvious dealing with HR issues and OSHA and employment uh, and employee safety uh, to more uh, difficult things around uh, uh, engineering and strategies around HVAC and back-to-work strategies that are inclusive um, and designed to make sure uh, that all of our folks can perform in a way that's going to uh, impact positively our clients' interests. All of that is made easier, I think, for leaders at law firms than other organizations. But I will say that we've been able to help folks uh, do that because of our task forces. And again, uh, I know Ellen's been more involved there than I have been. So I'm going to change things up a little bit. I'm, I'm going to come back to you in a minute, Rich, uh, on one, I think, very important topic that will be good to wrap up on. But Ellen, I want to move to you as, as, as we're talking about reopening. I think that one of, the, one of the issues that we've talked about is goal setting. And I think that you've had some on-the-ground opportunities to observe even outside the law firm environment about how that can work. Yes, that is definitely true. Uh, goal setting is you know, crucial in successful leadership and as businesses reopen and you know, face what's coming next. And as you alluded to, and, and so did Rich, we've been working in Nevada with the Nevada COVID Task Force, the task force that the governor asked uh, Jim Murren to establish uh, in the private sector. It is been just an amazing experience where we are representing them as outside counsel. And the task force is made up of, of leaders from some of the most successful businesses in the state, from all from different industries, gaming, energy, medicine, and others. And they all came together from different industries, from really different, with different leadership styles and typically divergent interests. And some even compete with each other. You know, there are a few from the gaming industry on this task force, but they all came together with a common goal, a common mission. And that was to help the state, help the citizens of Nevada, um, support the needs of our state and local government and, and procuring personal protective equipment and, and other supplies and, and addressing other needs of the state. And they've been amazingly effective. I mean, in terms of setting a goal, they set a goal and they achieved that goal. They left their egos at the door. To Rich's points earlier, they sought input from experts across the spectrum. Nobody claimed to have, notwithstanding the fact that they've been CEOs of public companies and other significant companies and medical practices and et cetera, in, in the state, they none of them claimed to be experts on this because none of them were, having never seen this before. And they've sought input from experts in, in healthcare and in government and you name it. And, and those people have presented to the task force and everyone has, you know, listened. And as a result of the collaboration and exhibiting these, their leadership skills by, by really by consensus, there's been few debates or disagreements because they have a common goal and it's an urgent goal that the task force has succeeded amazingly. I mean, raising 12, $13 million to acquire equipment that the state, at least initially, wasn't in a position to um, procure. So it's been leadership at its best and goal setting being really the, the primary driver 
clear goal that everybody was was driving towards and and as a result you know put all their differences aside and and really did an amazing job so i think with the benefit of the, those observations I, I don't think i don't think many people get the opportunity i don't know that it happens all that often that you bring together people who are you know the leaders of diverse and large organizations that except for perhaps subject to board supervision they're usually the the men and women who get to make the calls and and as you've said they've come together uh, and you've got to observe that so hopefully we've got listeners that run the gamut from very very small businesses medium-sized businesses large multi-location businesses who are going to be faced with similar issues they need to reopen. They have tough decisions to make. They're used to making decisions on their own, typically. Have you picked up anything that was particularly impactful in your observations that you think will translate to listeners as they're trying to face the challenges of reopening? I, I would say learning from this experience and really from watching Rich and our executive committee in action, gathering as much information as you can from experts from from in in this pandemic that includes you know scientists healthcare experts everything that you can that you have at your disposal and not being afraid to admit you don't have all the answers i think some of the things that rich said earlier that apply to law firms certainly apply to all businesses of all sizes which include not just uh using that expertise but also talking to other businesses in your industry to see what they're doing and and working together. I mean, I, we are all on the, in this together. I know people say that, and it sounds cliche, but it's true. I mean, restaurants can learn from other restaurants' best practices, and it, so can gaming businesses, so can healthcare providers, so can I mean, governments. In terms of goal setting, governments are an, another example where local governments are being forced to balance their budgets with enormous shortfalls and you know to the goal setting point they have to they have a clear goal which is they have to cut um, enormous amounts of money from their from their budgets and they've got to figure out a way to do that by collaborating with their employees and with unions and I mean so these examples apply in in across every industry across uh, um, every community it's not just relevant to Nevada certainly I'm going to turn back to rich and I, I lied. Uh, there's going to be two more topics, and it won't be a surprise to anybody that we talk a little bit before we come on air to outline this. But I'm going to throw you a curveball, I think, and that is, it seems in this in this world of of everything being new and nobody having all the answers. And candidly, from observing you and, and the amount of time that you spend on the phone and you know and webinars internally, that leaders and businesses have a lot that they can get by going all the way down to their line level employees for information, ideas, and more. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, thanks, Mitch. There are some lessons learned around that topic. And my observation through this transformational process has been that the the folks, you know, in particular, our line folks, folks that have direct responsibility for the project at hand, uh, have the best insights and and have their fingers on the pulse, uh, and I think have been instrumental in helping us reshape and revise our internal processes. 
uh, in particular around uh, our essential services. So um, the feedback uh, coming up the silo has been uh, just as valuable, uh, I think, as the feedback coming, uh, you know, from the other direction. The other great thing I might add, Mitch, for what it's worth, and I'm, I'm very proud of our environment and in terms of leaders elsewhere, um, you know, you really have to foster an environment where people, uh, line item folks, uh, really do feel empowered uh, to speak to leadership and management about their ideas. And I think uh, because we've done a reasonably good job of that, uh, we have gotten some great feedback that has helped us get through this pandemic uh, and in particular helped us to reposition uh, our operations as they went remote. Well, I will, I will say, though I'm not one of the guests today, but having spent 14 years at this organization now, this is an organization that has always encouraged and respected criticism up the chain sometimes more constructive than others. Uh, but I think that any organization that, and that's not to pat this one on the back, but to, to use it as an example that any organization that makes it safe for people to provide uh, criticism, feedback, uh, and suggestions is, is better off for it, particularly if leadership, as our leadership has consistently been over the years, is receptive to it and actually uses that as a tool. Having added that, here's, here's the final, I promise, uh, topic. You talk a lot about your personal wellness, Rich, and we've talked about how that translates to, to you being able to uh, relate to, empathize with, and, and empower the people that work under you. Let's talk about that. Great question, Mitch. Yeah, look, it starts with empathy, as, as you've mentioned. Uh, I think it's really important, uh, especially in the current environment, uh, for leaders to show great empathy. And there are a variety of ways in which that can happen, one of which that relates directly to wellness for me is about having some grace, in particular in the moment, and understanding that uh, things are challenging, things are difficult, people are stressed, uh, and you can feel that, and giving folks a little bit of grace around that. And so uh, understanding that folks might need a little extra time understanding that when you're going to have challenging conversations, folks might uh, need to react and, and preparing yourself for those conversations and allowing those to happen uh, in a way that is uh, designed to have some space and, and to be de-escalating uh, and to account for the emotions uh, and the stress that folks have. That's a big part of wellness for me is trying to take that stress and emotion uh, out of the equation for as many people as I can. Uh, and some of that is is to absorb some of that for the firm and for those folks. Um, and then to make sure that it doesn't uh, overwhelm my day, uh, I focus a lot on uh, exercise and physical well-being. And uh, you and Ellen have heard me talk a, a variety about those things. I do prioritize wellness. Um, Ellen and I have a Peloton, as do a lot of our uh, colleagues and uh, we competitively and uh, collegially uh, ride together every week and try to uh, keep our spirits and our physical uh, stamina up that way. Um, I'm engaged in lots of outdoor activities. Uh, I do lots of yoga, Mitch, uh, uh, which I know might sound funny. Uh, and about a year and a half ago, uh, I started meditation and, and that practice has been really helpful uh, to get through some of the more challenging days and really just to drive some calm and some focus uh, around what I need to do on a daily basis. 
Uh, on top of all that, I think it's really important, and Ellen and I share this all the time, you got to eat well and you got you to gotta get enough sleep. Uh, and I am mostly doing that, although I have two teenage boys and uh, we eat more junk food than I, uh, I should. You and me both uh, on the <laughs> junk food front. But, okay, well, I think that covers it. I, I want to thank you both, Ellen and Rich, for coming on to this episode. Thank you, Mitch. Thanks for having us. That'll wrap up this episode of Brownstein's What's Next Nevada. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll listen to the next episode that will discuss the various business, political, and legal issues that businesses face as a result of the COVID crisis. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farbershreck podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.